0: I saw this thing on Twitter years ago where it was like, um, if there weren't any breakups, there wouldn't be any good music. (laughs) And that is so true.
1: Hello, friends. It is March 1st, and here in Colorado, it is warm, which is really nice. It's supposed to be really cold, but warm is nice, and I miss the sun. So that's where we're at today. I wanted to say thank you specifically to Tiffany Jones. They purchased our next episode, I guess. They actually were able to sponsor it and it truly means a lot to me. It means a lot to Emmanuel. We've put so much work into these episodes and truly the reason why I'm not able to afford making them anymore is just because my hours were cut at work. that is just the long and the short of it. And we wanna create a show that is sustainable, that is giving, that has a lot of value for you and for our people. We really truly appreciate every dollar. So I wanted to say thank you to Tiffany Jones. Um, If you want to sponsor an episode or give a dollar or $5 or become a monthly subscriber, you can do so on Buy Me A Coffee, on Patreon, or on Spotify itself. Um, You can actually go to our page and support us directly that way. Everything goes to the production of each episode. And honestly, I wouldn't be here without you. So every, every dollar goes straight towards each episode. Oh, we would love it if you would subscribe to each episode and tell a friend and have them subscribe. We have lots of people on our Instagram and not so many on Apple. And the more people that subscribe to each episode, the more likely we are to find outside sourcing and not have to ask you to support us, which would be super great and less cheesy and less weird for us to ask of you um, so if you could hit subscribe hit follow do all the things leave us a five star review so we can hopefully grow our audience and be able to find outside sponsors. without further ado let's get into this episode <laughs> How is your day going today?
0: All's good yeah how about you.
1: It's pretty good. Um, I'm getting over a cold, so I'm home today, which is kind of nice. Yeah,
0: Yeah. those days are quite a cleanse, aren't they?
1: Yeah, (laughs) that's a good way to put it. Um, So you're an artist. Tell me a little bit about
0: your work and what you do. So I'm mainly a writer, I suppose. I write a lot of memoir. Mm -hmm. um, And recently I've turned to playwriting. I've worked on a play about I work as a checkout girl, mm-hmm. um, and I kind of come across a lot in my day-to-day life, and people kind of might not take you seriously because of that job, but I've been writing a lot about that, and I suppose a lot of the stuff I write about is things I come across every day, even though I'm only young, I'm only 20, I still see a lot, and i have still, I won't say been through a lot, but experienced a lot, um, and I also have a podcast, it's called The Art of Conversation, I started it last year. And uh, yeah, I love it. I love the concept of interviewing people, giving them a platform, talking to people, because I am a people person. Mm -hmm. And um, I love it. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool.
1: Um, Have you been doing that for a long time?
0: Um, The writing, kind of, I only started taking it seriously when I was about 15 or Um, one of my teachers at school suggested that I enter a competition. And I was kind of like, I ah, don't know, you know, didn't take it seriously. And then I ended up coming runner up in it. And then after that, it was kind of, oh, you should do this, you should do this. And my school kind of built me. I was very lucky in that sense. Before then, I always wrote, you know, I always wrote little poems in the back of my copies or I wrote stories. And I remember like teachers in school mentioned that, especially because they were kind of the only people that came across it. But people always mentioned that I had a good imagination, but it wasn't until a few years ago until I really took it seriously, I think.
1: Has your writing been a part of how you've processed your grief?
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, My grandfather, who was my first experience of grief, um, he was a poet and he didn't get published until after he passed away but he was incredible. You know, he could make a poem out of anything and we used to pass notes to each other. He'd write one line of a poem and I'd write the second line
1: mm-hmm.
0: and and then he'd write the third and we'd just keep it going like that. Um, and I, yeah, I suppose because I write a lot of what I see every day and what I've experienced him and other people that I've lost along the way are the topic of my writing. Mm. Um and a few years ago, kind of this was kind of like not my big break or anything, but a big sentiment to me um the Irish Times, which would be kind of the equivalent of the New York Times in the states like our biggest newspaper, mm-hmm. published a piece I wrote about my grandfather, and that to me was really important because it meant that people wanted to hear my story you know and it meant a lot to them
1: mm-hmm. I would love it if you would send me that. I would love to share that with you. Oh,
0: of course. Um, yeah, I will definitely. Yeah. How,
1: like through all of that, have you kind of developed your voice, developed your, I guess, processed your grief?
0: Yeah, well, I kind of was raised, I suppose everyone in Ireland was raised in quite a Roman Catholic background. Hmm. And um, we're all kind of... You know, the idea of heaven is reiterated and, you know, whenever you lose someone, it's always, oh, they're looking down at you. Mm. And I never really liked the idea that my loved ones are looking down on me. I like to think that they live on in me, you know, and that they kind of are there with me when I achieve something or when I become successful, rather than looking down and seeing it from afar. They're there with me. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, it's even, I suppose people can relate to the grief when they read it. They can even identify it quite quickly. Um, And it's, you know, I've lost other people as well. And I suppose it took a while, but eventually I did come around to the terms of saying you know, I have more good memories than I had bad memories. You know, that real common quote that's like, rather than crying because it's over, smile because it happened. Yeah. It's always good to look back at those good experiences and say, you know, I could make something of this. I could write a story about how this happened. And I could write a story about how this is, you know, funny or <laughs> whatever, you know, get a lot of mileage out of it.
1: Yeah. And what are your favorite pieces that you've written out of those memories?
0: Well, there was that one that I mentioned earlier that was in the Irish Times was about, um, my grandfather lives in, lived in quite a, um, a really, really like scenic part of Ireland um, up in the Wicklow Hills is the name of it. And um, beside his house, there was a tiny little stream that connected to a bigger river. And we used to pretend to go fishing, um, but there was no fish in the stream. So I got really upset one day, I was only about, I'd say five or six, and I got really upset that there was no fish in the stream, and there never was any fish in the stream. <laughs> so he, in order to kind of make me a bit happier, he took off one of his slippers and he tied it to the bottom of his fishing rope, <laughs> and he pretended that his slipper was the fish, and that's why the piece is called slipper <laughs> Um another time there was this book he had because he was like me he was big bookworm and I had a really scary photo on it and there was like all these bad words in the bottom of it I don't know if they were curse words or what they were I never got to see them and I remember like him hiding this book from me that's another piece I wrote um it's actually on my website called the book lovers and I remember him and my uncle hiding this book and fighting me over this book and trying to like throw it on the top of shelves so that I couldn't reach it just because they didn't want to like expose my mind to such bad words.
1: (laughs) That's so funny. It's interesting because you seem to have a lot more, I don't know, you're much more self-aware, I feel like, than I was when I was 20. Or maybe I just have that perspective (laughs) 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 when I was 20. But is that something that you... Like relate to other people with, like, tell me about um, your website and your writing and how all of these things have kind of connected.
0: We're being self-aware. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't. I, self-aware. I don't mind, but I don't like it when people kind of say, you know, you're mature for your age or anything like that because I don't think that even exists. You know. Yeah, I feel like that's. Um, I think people. <laughs> yeah people just are what they are do you know and mm-hmm. that's kind of it um my writing website kind of I'm quite proud of it because I do feel like it's important for artists to have a kind of platform or even an outlet like with some it's social media platforms but I suppose a website is more of an outlet where everything is do you know what I mean and you can find out everything about someone Mm -hmm. And I suppose a lot of the time it comes to me and this does kind of connect to self-awareness in a sense that like if I came across someone else and they had an outlet like that you know what would I think but you know jealousy or anything like that it doesn't phase me I don't get jealous of other artists because like I said I only started writing a few years ago Mm-hmm. And I was already quite kind of, not jealous, but competitive when it came to the academic side and competitive even when it came to kind of, I don't know, my career and everything. So I said, okay, with writing with my art, it's the one thing that I'm not going to get jealous over. You know, if someone else succeeds, that to me is inspiration, if anything, rather than to be a reason to be hurtful.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's so true. So tell me about the Art of Conversation.
0: Well I started it last summer and I was kind of one of those people that said they'd always start a podcast you know between friends I was kind of thinking yeah we will we will and I suppose then it was another friend and I was like oh what am I going to do if he doesn't want to do it (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. so then I decided to do it myself I suppose because we would have been going through a lockdown at that time if I'm correct Mm -hmm. and I kind of thought, well, I want it to be as broad as possible. And um, the air of conversation, it just kind of, it, it says what it is. You know, I interview artists um, of all kinds. Most of the time I interview fellow writers, but I've also had musicians on. I've also had um, visual artists, painters, and even local businesses around me that might sell, you know, be bookshops or be art shops. Oh, um for me it was inspired by uh my cousin owns a bookshop and um i i don't know if you've heard but when we go through lockdown in ireland we're actually as of today all of our lockdowns are over so we're completely back to normal but this is the first time in two years um but our third lockdown which we've been around this time last year I think it went on for, I actually don't know how long it was. I'm going to take a stab and say four months. It could have easily been longer. Um, And it was quite serious. I was working throughout it, but it was still quite serious and quite a long time, unfortunately. And my cousin and his bookshop suffered from that. You know, not as many customers as, and obviously he couldn't open his shop. He wasn't an essential service. So he established this thing called the Irish Bookshop Show, where... It was essentially kind of like um, like a television program online for selling the store and for selling like local authors, local artists, us all to kind of team together and say, look, even though lockdown's still happening, we're still here, we're still making work and things are still happening that will come out hopefully in months to come, which have happened since so many authors around me have published books. Um, and over that period of time... I kind of wanted to put a stamp on things. I kind of wanted him to be discovered. So I interviewed um, big names, which is Con Bean and Nulo O'Connor and Paul Howard, which are all quite like Irish literary giants. Mm-hmm. And that kind of put his name on the map, you know. I discovered that I do have a kind of a love for... <sighs> interviewing, I suppose. Because I think it's so important you know to get to know someone and even to when you admire someone to kind of sit down whenever I discover a new musician or anything the first thing I do is look them up on YouTube and watch an interview with them so that I can really get to groups with their personality you know Mm -hmm. I do the same thing and (laughs) I suppose that's yeah it's I think it's important to get to know someone that you'll never meet or sometimes someone that you will meet you know
1: yeah it's not just about the consumption of the work it's about Like, knowing what's behind it.
0: Very much so, yeah. Especially with writers, I suppose, that are so kind of sealed away.
1: Yeah, I feel like it's interesting because uh, my brother and I talk about it a lot. He's an illustrator, but we talk about... It's a Sean West quote where he says that everything starts with writing. So any of the art that you see starts with writing. It's like music... Movies, TV shows, everything starts mm-hmm. with writing. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's like extremely important to get to know who it is that's writing and why they're writing and yeah, all those things. I want to know yeah. what you were like when you were little and how that kind of has what? developed into this person that you are now.
0: Um, I was... <laughs> I was kind of always under the impression not that I was different but I just thought I was really weird and I always thought I was really weird when I was growing up I think that was like the constant commentary in my head was, you know, you're different. You're different. You're weird. You're 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 not the same as everyone else. You know, they don't. Not in a kind of superiority thing, but I just thought I was a real weirdo for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> um, I suppose I'm an only child, so that maybe might be it. You know, I didn't have kind of peers to compare myself against at home. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think that came down to overthinking, and I'm still a big overthinker. Um. But I feel like I'm still, well, like, everyone's figuring life out. You know what I mean? People mm-hmm. in their 80s are still figuring life out. But it would take me years to understand something, to understand why someone said something. And it'd play over and over in my head all day and all night for weeks. Um, but I think, you know, my parents weren't strict or anything, but they were good parents. You know, I was raised well. And... Um, I think that was like a big benefit because I was surrounded by all ages at all times, and I wasn't kind of stuck with kids the whole time. I loved to, like still talking to people and getting to know people and i was I had a real interest in things mm-hmm. um I I loved TV, <laughs> which is funny because I don't like TV anymore. Mm-hmm. But um, I watched loads of TV and I remember after every, like if there was a new show on and I watched one episode of it, i adapt everything from that show into my personality. <laughs> like I feel like going around pretending I was the main character of that show and everything. But um, when I lost my grandfather, I think there was like, I noticed how you mentioned um, life before and after the grief. Yeah. If there's a difference or if there's any divide, I think there was a massive one. I remember, um, yeah, so he passed away when I was 10. And I remember being 10 and kind of, you know, I didn't completely turn or anything, but I remember, you know, I lost my patience with a few people or I'd act up or, you know, I didn't see the world as brightly as I did before then, perhaps. Mm Mm-hmm. But to be honest with you, I know this is a really strange way of putting it, but I'm kind of in many ways glad that he could never see me for, you know, <laughs> the pubescent like preteen forward slash teenager mm-hmm. I was then, you know, like all of the memories are pure. You know, I never lost ang- my head with them. I never got angry or anything like that. And that's nice. Um, but yeah, I did notice the divide there. And I suppose when you're 10, you're kind of grown up as well. So I don't know if that was <laughs> really, if I was a child anymore, but yeah, I was a weird kid. I'm only kind of realizing now that I'm quite normal compared to most people from, you know, working with people every day, but mm-hmm. yeah.
1: <laughs> What's something that changed your perspective into knowing, the, like, I don't know, like you, you got to have that purity with your grandpa,
0: Yeah, but something that changed my perspective. Um, I suppose I kind of only came across that a few months ago. I was kind of like, I'm glad he didn't see that. Um, Sometimes, like, I suppose recently, um, I'm still kind of copping on to the fact that people my own age die, you know, Um, even when I don't know them, even if someone like, that I went to school with, or was in my class, but in a different school, but in the same county as me, or something. Mm-hmm. When they die, I find it very hard to even grasp that. Um, but sometimes I suppose because I work in a shop and I'm quite in quite a public place. You know, someone might pass away and you might kinda of think, Oh my god, what did I say to them, Mass? You know, and what did, was I mean to them? And all these thoughts kind of circle around your head and you wonder if, like at least then when I was ten or whatever, I know that I wouldn't have been capable of saying anything that was mean, I wouldn't have been capable of doing anything that was horrible. Um But like, you never know when your last conversation with someone is, you Mm -hmm. know, um, that's a really scary talk, but it's true. Yeah. Um, And I kind of suppose when when I think of things like that, I kind of, it's like I'm walking on glass when I talk to everyone, but that's just the way life is, you know, it's so unexpected. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, that's so true. Has that been something that
0: has happened? Like, have you lost someone recently? Um, thank God. Now I haven't lost anyone recently and I am extremely grateful. Um, I, I think the last time I kind of suffered from grief was about two years ago. And uh, I won't go into too much detail, but it wasn't as kind of natural. It wasn't as, you know, letting go of someone. It was quite brutal and kind of like a full stop to the experience that I was going through at the time. Um it was kind of like and that's a horrible thought as well. You know, so many times people have this impression of death and they think, oh God, like why does it have to happen? But then other times it has to, do you know? Mm-hmm. And that's the horrible thing about it. Like it just has to happen. Um and sometimes, for lack of a better term, it it's the best thing, you know, and that was kind of my last experience with it was you know, a kind of full stop to the experience that I was going through Um, and kind of like, okay, that's behind us now. Yeah.
1: We don't have to kind of gloss over it if you are wanting to speak a little bit more on it because I think that it's important to kind of talk about all of our grief, not just when someone
0: passes. Yeah, I don't, want to go into too much detail about who it was just for the sake of kind of personal yeah um but yeah I suppose you know yeah I just kind of to reiterate what I said like um I suppose like before when I was younger you know you'd lose someone and it would be a sad and tragic event and then as I grew older I kind of went through a few experiences where the sad and tragic stuff happened before the person passed away. Mm. And then when they passed away, it's kind of like, of course, it's sad. There were people I loved, you know, but, you know, it's the best thing for them. And, you know, it's important that we remember that unfortunately that's just the way it went really. But there is a big contrast between those two things. And I suppose that's just about growing up really. Um, And like your kind of your status at the time you know where you are in your life I wouldn't have probably copped that if I had been a bit younger I wouldn't have realized that that's what was going on Mm. um but that was my last experience with grief anyway was quite the opposite to how it felt before when I was younger
1: do you think it's because you have more of an awareness
0: now yeah I do think so um Like when you're kind of 12 or 13 and you kind of start, you know, finding out all the family secrets, you know, (laughs) like who's who and everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. But then I think like, um, I think children can even recognize when something's wrong or when something's right, you know, and they can see like, I know a number of people that I've lost in my life that were happy when they passed away. And unfortunately, I know a number of people that weren't happy either, but I think even a child's mind can recognize that, you know, and say, like, at least you have so many good memories. Or, like, I remember for, with my grandfather, for example, the last day I saw him, he was, you know, he, he, severely in decline from the time before then. And um, all I remember from that day was how sick he was and everything. But one thing that stuck in my mind was I asked him who his best friend was and he told me that I was his best friend. You know, that tiny little sentence stood out more compared to, like, how withered he was on that particular day. That's what stuck with me rather than being concerned about, oh, he was so much in decline, you know? Yeah,
1: that's such a kindness that he gave you.
0: Mm. I hope so.
1: What are some works of art by other people that have helped you get through? Could be music, poetry, books.
0: Music. Oh, that's a good question. I'm going to have to think about that one. Um I think, well, music is always music and books are my number one. Um I, I can't really pinpoint a certain song or a certain album or anything that helps me deal with grief. Not off the top of my head anyway. Um, but I think that music would be the best possible um, way of letting go of any grief or overcoming grief because music is just packed with such emotion mm-hmm. Um like even when I'm grieving someone that unfortunately is still alive that might be gone from my life um music for me is what I go to rather than anything else, rather than talking about it, I'd listen to something and see if I can even think of one of my favorite songs that might in the slightest way compare to what I'm experiencing at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, Like, I saw this thing on Twitter years ago where it was like, um, if there weren't any breakups, there wouldn't be any good music. (laughs) And that is so true. Like, all the good songs are written about them. So it almost makes up for it in a way. (laughs) And there's nothing like after going through a breakup and listening to something, and it just perfectly replicates what you're exactly how you're feeling. I think it's brilliant. Yeah,
1: that's uh, the truest thing I've ever heard. (laughs) i do you have any artists that are your favorites
0: um oh god music wise i always like struggle with this question um i was always when i was growing up and still to this day was always a big blur fan (laughs) um I was mad into blur, especially when I was like 13. I was mad into blur. And um, I'm just using them as an example because they have an album called 13. And um, Dame Albarn, the lead singer of Blur, went through a really bad breakup in the late 90s. Um, his ex-girlfriend is the lead singer of Elastic, or her name is Justine Frischman. And he published this, or released even this album, 13 is the name of it, because it was recorded at a studio that was that had 13 in the address. And it's of 13 songs, and every single one of those songs replicates heartbreak of a certain way um, because not only was he going through quite possibly the worst heartbreak that I've ever seen any artist go through um, which is kind of incredible that he can even you know he's so public with it as well mm-hmm. within his work especially um, the guitarist was suffering with his addiction and the other members of the band you know kind of had their own going on, things going on as well um, mm-hmm. so there's all this smacked into this one album and um, and even when I'm kind of happy, I like listening to that because it's just incredible piece of work, you know. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, when you're kind of happy, it's more so because it's your favorite, not because it's sad.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: <laughs> what do you think grief has taught you about vulnerability and your current relationships?
0: Um. <gasps> I suppose, regards my current relationships, and this was actually something I was just thinking about because a lot of my friends at the moment are migrating, which is kind of something that's associated closely with Ireland. Um, but I never realised until it happened right in front of me. Mm. And my friends are leaving for other countries, and you know they'll come back to visit, but they're kind of friends that. I'd always text and I'd always mention and I'd always compliment and I'd always see, but I never really made plans with them. It felt as though I didn't, you know, I didn't Mm. say go out of my way to make plans with them almost. I'm looking back now and I'm thinking, you know, when you meet someone that you really like, make sure to kind of have them in your life rather than at a distance. Um, you know, I suppose that links to vulnerability as well. Sometimes, and I know it's not just me, you know, as a human being, you want to establish a bit of a distance between you and the next person because you don't want to appear as too um, emotionally vulnerable, I suppose. And I suppose I kind of took down everything as vulnerable, you know, and that could be a side effect of grief. I'm not really sure what it is a side effect of. um, But to be able to just say like have someone in your life that you're open with and that you say you know you mean a lot to me and for them to say the same to you it's so important and it's so rare that it really should be cherished
1: yeah that's so true. it's so hard to be an adult that I don't know it has that vulnerability with people because when you're a kid you're kind of always vulnerable (laughs) yeah yeah Always, that's true be my best friend like let's hang out <laughs> yeah <laughs> like hey is um so-and-so home I want to hang out with them like it's just yeah. it's so natural I feel like yeah and, yeah like you were saying like I don't know what the side effect is like I don't know where we stopped
0: yeah i about because a lot of things I can kind of say okay um, I act like this because of this or like I said earlier I thought it was weird because I was an only child I couldn't really compare myself to siblings I thought but I don't know where that came from where I have to start. maybe I was hurt by people you know even mm-hmm. subconsciously it could be some sort of a coping mechanism but it's it's hilarious really I have no idea where it comes from <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah it's almost like our social conditioning though like and you don't want them to think you're not cool. <laughs> yeah, that's true as well. Yeah, because you want to fit in. You want to be part of whatever it is that's happening. Like we're social people. Yeah. Okay, so I wanted to ask you two final things. Okay. One, I wanted to explore if you feel like you've had any other lessons that you've learned through grief, for better or worse, um, mm-hmm. and then. I'll ask you, what is currently bringing you joy?
0: Um, lessons I learned through grief. Well, not only just to cherish people, but also to kind of recognize the fact that, you know, losing someone's natural. Um, and that could kind of even links to people that are still alive. Um, I remember saying to my mother a few months ago, because I've lived in the same village my entire life, but when I look back at each year in my life, there's always, like, different people that come along, you know, that come and go. And I kind of said that in passing to my mother. I said, like, you know, I've had a lot of friends and I kind of worry, you know, as this kind of maternal instinct that she's kind of like, oh, God, you know, like, <laughs> is she able to make friends? Like, you know. But, um, I do, look, I have some friends that I've been friends with for nearly 10 years, you know, like it's not like, I, I, I change them every few months but that is a natural part of your life for people to come and go, you know, whether they're partners, whether they're friends and sometimes, yeah, whether they're family you know, um, mm-hmm. and it's natural to lose people um, I never liked that quote um, you come into the world alone and you go out of the world alone, I never I didn't get it but I kind of only come around to it recently that I don't see it in that sense, but I do think it's important to love yourself and to be comfortable in the person you are. Um, Mm. And thankfully I am, Uh, but I feel like that's because of my work and because of my art and because of my writing, it kind of makes me me. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we have to love ourselves before we can love other people. I think that's extremely important as well. But in order to love ourselves, you know, you have to be kind to yourself and you have to understand that, for the majority of the road you are alone. Mm.
1: Yeah, that's so true. So difficult.
0: Yeah. And What's then, what brings you joy? Um, oh gosh. At the moment, to be honest, because, like I said, we're just out of, um, not necessarily lockdown, but we had a lot of restrictions. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, like, I am in a relatively, not a relatively, I am in a very happy uh, place at the moment. Um, and I'm very thankful for that. Um, so I suppose... Just, just the way things are. Bringing each other, like being surrounded by people and things I love, I think are the most important things. Um, but I am very happy, and I can't really put a reason to it. And I think that's the best type of happiness, because when you don't know why you're happy, you don't have to think about it. Yeah, um, that's just the best. But yeah, no, it's great. Like I've been happy for a while now, and hopefully things keep going that way.
1: It's so interesting that you. There is such a juxtaposition there. Like you're talking about how most of your life you're going to be on your own. And that's yeah. like a lesson that you need to learn, but then what's bringing you joy is people.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true as well. Um, well, like I try not to be materialistic because I feel like <laughs> this comes off as materialistic, but. I feel like as humans, we do need to put more of an emphasis on the things we like as well. Mm-hmm. Um, because, yeah, like, sometimes, like, towards the end of the year, around Christmas time, I tend to read a lot of books because I always challenge myself to read, like, a certain amount of books here. Mm-hmm. And um, I wanted to read 150 books last year, but, like, that's including, like, audiobooks and short stories and everything. So, like, you know, the majority of them were tiny. So I won't take too much credit for it. But I was reading loads over December, like loads, like I was reading like three or four short stories a day. And like, I just realized how happy reading makes me, you know, how seeing things through someone else's perspective, how kind of, you don't really have too much time to overthink things or sit around thinking. I feel like I'm I'm terrible. Like I've nearly an addiction to social media. Like I could just scroll for hours on it. When I stopped doing that and I just kind of like, do, do something productive with my time. It makes me really happy as well. Yeah, it's just meeting your goals. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's not like it makes us better people. It's just, like, satisfying. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's very true. Like, maybe it does a little bit if you're reading, but... <laughs> <laughs> well... Thank you. I wanted to say thank you for being on the show and for being patient through all the technical difficulties. Oh,
0: no, thank you so much. It means so much. Your, your patience was admirable to us. <laughs>
1: <laughs> thank you. Well, I'm super happy that um, you were able to share with us, even though we're like worlds away. I look forward oh, to thanks. getting to connect on the socials and reading your writing because I haven't read any of your writing yet. I um, oh, love it. I hope you enjoy it. Yes, I. I am almost positive that I will. Just.
0: From <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're so good. Thank you so much. Absolutely.
1: I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day.
0: Thank you.
1: Alrighty, for this week's study spotlight, we are talking about finding ways. to... To regulate ourselves. I know that a lot of times when we're going through grief, and for a lot of folks, this might be one of the first times that you've ever gone through depression. It might be one of the first times that you've ever felt emotionally unstable. Your world has just been rocked. And so I fully believe that finding ways to re-regulate ourselves, re-ground ourselves is super, super important. One of the things that I do is I actually have a weighted blanket. And being someone with clinical depression and anxiety, the weighted blanket actually helps to re-regulate me. I have a friend who loves to go on nature walks, who loves to go hiking, and that helps to re-regulate their system. I also know of some friends who love to journal. I know we listened to it in about two episodes ago with Emily um, and how she journaled and the more she wrote, the better she felt. I also experienced that in taking a poetry class and with painting. So finding different ways like that to help us bring us back to ourselves are super, super important. There's also different breathing techniques that you can try. And I know that a lot of these things people learn from therapy, but you don't necessarily need to do that if it's not something that you feel comfortable with right now. I definitely recommend just trying things out and finding new ways to bring us back to ourselves. In next episode, you'll actually hear of unhealthy ways to um, regulate our emotional state, which aren't always helpful. So yeah, that's my recommendation this week is just finding ways to bring yourself back to yourself, being in the sun, being in nature, painting, writing. We go back to the arts a lot over here Yeah. So I hope that that's helpful. If you have any recommendations, please go to our Instagram and leave a comment on our latest post, so we can all share together and learn together from each other. As always, um, I hope you are having a wonderful day wherever you are. Take care. Bye-bye.